one day I got really low because I was just in my head. I come in and I'm pissed. I'm just angry at everything, right? I don't want to talk to her. I don't talk to anybody. I don't want to get any more advice. I just want to end it. So I'm scrounging over, you know, I'm turning over my closet, trying to look for my pistol, my nine millimeter Beretta. Get ready to tune into stories of average men striving for greatness to become the leaders that are needed in their homes, in their career, and their communities. This is the Brotherhood of Fatherhood podcast. What's up, ladies and gentlemen? I'm so glad we are here again. And this is going to be a fun one. I have a new friend of mine, Guillermo. He goes by G, but uh, we were introduced by a mutual friend who, yeah, oddly enough, has not been on the podcast, probably needs to be. And Guillermo has an awesome history, kind of like an awesome history, very very diverse individual. He is the founder and host of Alpha Dad Consulting, which is really cool. You guys know anything about me, you know that I love collaborating and working with other guys who are interested in building stronger families and stronger men. And so that's what Guillermo does. He has a history of being in hip hop and uh, was part of a group called Methodical Elements for almost a decade. And he performed a lot in many Christian venues. He is currently a part of the Apogee Strong program, which is run by Matt Boudreaux and Tim Kennedy. Yes, the Tim Kennedy. And that helps men improve in area every area of their life through mentorship. And it's something actually I'm looking into and really kind of interested in. Guillermo has an awesome story. We're going to just start jamming. And um, I couldn't be more pleased to have you on. Welcome, brother. Yes, sir. Thank you so much, God. I appreciate it, man. Yeah, we're talking about... Uh, Christian, right? Our mutual friend. Yeah, it's funny. Like he, you, when you're mentioning about him, like I'm like, I'm thinking, man, that dude's like a jack of all trades. Definitely should be doing something like this for sure. And I've talked to him about it. <laughs> it's yeah. <kinda> funny. <laughs> oh yeah. He's, gosh, I think I've known him for a year, maybe a year. Yeah. And he drove up here. He lives in Houston. He drove up here with his son. They were doing a soccer tournament, took me to lunch. I don't know who took who to lunch, but he called me. So I'm going to say he took me to lunch. I got to meet him in person. And he actually sent me the other day, he sent me this voiceover of the the story of the buffalo. I don't know where he found it, but it's a story I tell all the time. And I I have a family value that's, uh, you know, the the way of the buffalo. And mm. it's it's a way that I kind of relate how we tackle things. And he sent me this complete video he edited like the guy is now doing editing and we popped it up on my website. Of course, I posted it on social. It just says, like, hey, brother, here you go. And it was just awesome. He's actually put out some of my content. On it. So cool. it, yeah, he's, he's a great guy. And so like literally I get introduced to people and this isn't a flat. It's actually becomes a little problematic. I get introduced to people all the time that want to be on the podcast by yeah. other guys. Once that network grows, it gets crazy. Yeah. And um, but honestly, Christian sent me, he didn't connect me to you. He just sent me your, your information. And I'm like, man, if Christian's saying I should connect with Guillermo, then I probably should. And so here we are. And we, we, we chatted, we got on, got on the line and, and, uh, bared our souls and, and decided that this was a good fit. So guys, all of that long windedness to say, this is going to be an awesome podcast. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, sir. Yeah. No, man, I'm excited, man. I'm excited to be here, you know, get a chance to kind of talk to your your audience, man, and be able to pour pour into these guys as well and tell a little bit about, you know, my background and how I kind of came into this space and just everything that's that's happened so far, which has been insane. <laughs> the trajectory yeah. of, of of my life and my family's life and all that. So you have a you have an awesome story. I mean, it awesome stories come from all sorts of situations, good, bad, and different. 
And um, so when I say awesome story, basically it's an awesome story because there's a lot of redemption and moving forward and and growth and opportunity to help other people. And I think the topic that we're going to cover is going to be huge for some men and some women alike. We have women that listen to this as well. And I think there's some really cool learning lessons. We're going to go ahead and go um, completely off the rails for a second, though. And um, if you guys listen to me, I just did a solo a couple episodes ago where I talked about the sound of freedom and made a pretty strong declaration that the media BS is out there and ignore it. And uh, hopefully I offended some people and they went away. Otherwise, other than that, because, because, or, or they maybe had a mindset shift, but uh, if you haven't watched that movie, do it. But really what's really cool, this is uh, really relevant and I'll call you G from now on probably because that's what people call you because they can't pronounce your name. But um, G just had the literally today, right? Yes, sir. Was talking yeah. actually to Tim Ballard himself. So he had the opportunity to chat with Tim, have some questions. I didn't even know this before. Maybe I did. Maybe you brought it up. You did bring it up, uh, but I didn't, I wasn't thinking of it. That's not why you're on the podcast, I guess is what I want to say. <laughs> yeah. How was it, man? No, it was cool, man. It was, uh, yeah, it's a cool experience because you get to see you know, the man behind the myth, right? And he is, I mean, he's your everyday man. Like, you know, he's, He's just a man that decided to do something heroic. You know, when an opportunity presented itself, he made the right call and he made a decision and he felt the calling to do what he did and hundreds of operations and all sorts of different things and saved so many kids' lives, man. Even when I had adopted two kids that he saved initially as well and uh, from Haiti. And it's just, I mean, the, the dudes are, he's a real life hero, bro. Yeah, and, for and sure. I, I give him he he's definitely a, is a testament to his character because uh, when he was on the call with us and I mean he's just he, he's a humble guy mm-hmm. he's a humble guy and uh, it, it pains me to see how much smearing is going on on him right now and like especially you're talking about the mainstream media all the stuff they're saying about the movie and all that man and if you it, what's funny right and I, and I don't want to get off too off the rails but I'll mention this is that they had this movie made five years ago. I know. It's like crazy. this movie was locked in five years ago, edited, fully ready to re- be released. And Disney and Fox held it, bro. Like they held it and they didn't want to release it, you know? So they fought hard to get it bought out by this other studio. Angel Studios comes in, buys it out, releases it. It is a hit, right? And now they're claiming that it's associated with like right wing, you know, activists and like QAnon and all this, all this stuff, right? And it's just like, how is that even a thing when this movie was made five years ago? That's what Tim was saying on the call. He's like, QAnon or all that stuff wasn't even a thing yet. And you guys are associating it, right? Like, how how does that work? And then um, on top of that, the movie itself, if you guys have watched it, do yourself a favor, go watch this movie. Because as hard as the topic, it's a hard watch. I'm not going to lie to you guys. It's a hard watch. It is not an easy thing to, to go through. But it is necessary to understand the kind of evil that's out there and and the kind of work that Scott and myself and a lot of these other guys are doing with these men's movements and and the information, the stuff that we're putting out for you guys is to help all of us become not not just because we have it all locked in because we're not perfect. Right. It's because we need each other to move forward in this mission to become better men. You know, the demand of this stuff is what keeps this stuff supplying. Right. Like it. The the U.S. is the biggest, you know, contributor or the biggest, uh, I should say, consumer consumer of, yeah. of this whole like child porn and all that stuff that goes on, man. The ugly side of things, 
And it's sad to say that because you you see it as a detriment in society from taking God out of schools and you know not not getting into the weeds of all that stuff. But all this stuff has played into where we're at now in the culture, right? And we're seeing it right now where this movie, Sound of Freedom, had no political take at all. Like it was just a story about a guy doing the right thing and saving a bunch of kids in the process. And we can't come together and agree that that is a good thing. Like how do you know what I mean? What kind of a world are we living in now that we we can't right or left, you know, whatever. Right. We should be able to agree to, to that. Like the only the only thing I can think of, and everyone's drawing this conclusion, is that there are very influential individuals who are very scared of being exposed for their their part in some of this, whether it's business wise or actually consuming of the product. They're like literally the more they fight and the more they try and bring bad words and bad you know bad relationships or or associations with it the more absolutely ridiculous they sound and the more more guilty they sound. It's yeah. it's like literally people just hanging themselves. But the, the crazy thing is, is if you see anybody post about Sound of Freedom, you're going to get, you're always going to get somebody saying, oh, that's a bunch of QAnon. I mean, and they just, they just spew out exactly what the media is saying. And it's just crazy to me. And I'm not going left, right, middle. I, I don't care. It's just crazy to me that people believe that stuff. It just... Yeah blows my mind it's like oh they say it on tv it's true that's what i'm like this is so wrong i mean this has been proven over and over and over again but but when that's that's a testament when you fill your head with the wrong things you will be led down the wrong path yeah man yeah it's it's lazy thinking right like it's uh and i think we we've gone we're, we're in a point in our society right now where we're especially men like we're not seekers of truth anymore Right. We're not concerned with truth, with not your truth or my, my truth. It's the truth, the like, truth, the truth. Are, are you concerned with the truth of any given situation? Right. And what are you doing to seek out that truth? What are you what are you doing to come to grips with that truth? And how are you wrestling with the truth? Right. And you know, people are not concerned with that anymore, man. They just want to be told what to believe and they just what to recite. Right. Because that's what's happening the QAnon conspiracy, whatever it is, right? Like they'll just spew it out because that's what they've been told to say. And it's just, it's a sad thing, man. Yeah. Andy Frisella was just talking about it. He talks about it a lot, whether you guys like him or not, but he's like, Hey, look, we're here because we've been compliant and, and compliance with nonsense will lead us in a very, very, very bad direction. And I'm not like, I'm not the guy saying, grab your ARs and go after them. I'm just saying, stop being compliant. And I think as guys, you and me, we're, we're in this to build strong families, right? Like yes, for me, it's like leadership, lead your family, lead your wife, lead your family, lead your kids, lead your business, lead your community. Those are the things that matter to me yeah. um, and do it right. But what does that mean for what can we do for the future? We can build strong future adults who have critical thinking skills. Yeah. And that, that it's, here's how we've done this with our boys. Dinner time almost sacred. I mean, multiple, multiple times a week, probably four times a week. Now our oldest has moved out. So it's a little different four times a week where we sit at the table and we talk and we talk about the things in the news. We t- or not, we don't watch the news. So the things that are being talked about, we talk about what's going on in school. And by having real conversations, we've just developed ours around a family tradition, which is dinner, nice. having real conversations. They learn how to think critically and we encourage 
questioning. Like, we're not going to feed you what we believe, but we're going to talk about what we believe. We're going to ask you what you believe. And this is what we as parents can do to build a generation that is strong and doesn't get led astray. Yeah. So we got work to do, brother. We got a lot of work to do. Work, man. (laughs) So much work for sure. Yeah. Yeah. No, but uh, you know, what's funny is uh, you mentioned that because on the call right after after, uh, Tim uh, jumped off, we had a little bit of a debrief with the guys in the group. And, you know, one of the, the topics that kept kept coming up is that in comparison to Tim and everything he's done, right? Like, you know, when we think about the fight and us wanting to be in the fight, you know, you're talking about ARs and all that stuff, right? Like right. everybody wants to be the John Wick, right? Like they want right. to be the door kicker. They want to come in and they want to defeat the bad guys. And I, I'm, I'll be honest with you. I'll be the first to say, like, when I walked out of that theater, yeah, I wanted to be John Wick and go John Wick on some 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 people, right? Some yeah. evil people because of that. But the reality of it is, right, the way that the fight is fought is not necessarily like that. Because the thing is, it's a war of ideas, right? That's happening right now. So it's a culture war. It's not necessarily the in the traditional sense that we think of like 300 and you got to go fight King Cersei. You know what I mean? Like that kind right. of thing. That's not what's happening here. The, this war is happening behind closed doors. Right. This war, the fight that you guys fight when you guys win the fight, it's like when you abstain from watching pornography. Right. When you say, hey, no more of this. Right. And I'm not going to take part in this because that bleeds in to that world. It's funding that world. It's causing that. And you can you can say it's okay, and you can say like, oh, it's it's okay. It's just a guy and a girl like I can watch that. Right. That's there's no harm in that. No, you're there is harm in that. You, Dude, that trickles down. Yeah. It trickles and that's down. A, that's, a, that's a picture. Like, I'm like, okay, even if that woman, as yeah. an adult, made the decision to do that, it's fueling an industry that will need people to replace her. And yeah. it's going to be, it's getting easier and easier to find the replacement from a very small age, groom them up and bring them in. And typically, you're either watching someone addicted to drugs or who has been incredibly abused over time and doesn't know any different. But the thing that I would say to every man when they're consuming porn or thinking about it is you are literally handing money or Mm -hmm. fuel over to the sex trafficking industry. You are literally a part of ripping a kid out of their home. You are like, you cannot separate yourself from that. You are performing one of the most, you are assisting one of the most atrocious things in our society right now. You can disagree with me. You can agree with me. I I'll argue you all day long, but the, the, put that in your mind. And he's like, put that, put, what is it? You know, it's something, smoke it, whatever, but some statement, but like put that in your pipe and smoke it. Like yeah, literally yeah. let that marinate in your head. The next time you're, you're drawn to some porn because you know, we're men and we are, mm-hmm. um, we have this visual thing that we need and this dopamine and we, we love to conquer and control. And a lot of this things are wrapped up in porn, but man, just, Sit there and think on that for a moment. Yeah. Just think on it. And then next time you're drawn to that, pull that back into your mind. And I think you'll probably turn it off pretty quickly. I hope you do. But it should be one of the things that help you. I want to make a segue. We could talk about this all day. Yeah. Um, I want to make a segue into a really cool fact you shared with me. It's your your firstborn's first birthday today, correct? Yes, sir. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, It's your first guesting on a podcast you host the podcast so like for you it's you know it's natural to run a podcast episode but as a guest so congratulations dude and you've got a baby coming soon like big things coming big things happening 
a lot of big things happening, man. I appreciate it, man. You're, I'm never gonna forget you now for sure because you, you're the you're the first man. You're the first that 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 gave me the opportunity. So I appreciate you, man. I have to be honest. Like I've done that, and I have two different podcasts, and yeah. it happens often. And it's probably I didn't know this about you until we got on. Yeah. But some of those are my favorite because people are like, as they're sharing for the first time as a guest on a podcast, they're kind of discovering this power of being able to share story mm-hmm. and being like the star. And I know I'm talking too much for you to be a star at this moment, but <laughs> I know you're gonna have your minute here soon. But um, it's it's really fun to watch. And it's really cool. And you're, I, I guarantee you're going to go away with energy today because oh, you get to sure. share your story and you know that it's here being heard on many ears and that's an incredible thing. And what you have to offer, man, is is pretty big because, you know, like, look, I'll be honest. I, I, was, I grew up in a really great supportive home. My dad's number one focus in life was God. And his number two focus in life was with my mom. And his number three focus in life was my was his kids, my sister and I. He, he and my mother did a phenomenal job. I am not the product of a broken home. I am not the product of anything that most men have gone through. And so like I'm coming from a place looking out and there's some experiences I've had as an adult, but I'm coming from a place looking out and seeing all these things going wrong and bringing this information to men. But then I get to have men come in who are looking from within and saying, let me bear my soul to you and tell you what it's been like and how I've gotten through this. The episode that drops tonight or tomorrow, it's the 26th of July right now, your episode drops next week. This episode, you guys, like you care, you're listening. Um, (laughs) But uh, the last episode with Doug Mitchell is a story of a man who had massive success and uh, traveled a lot and got pulled into the world of um, lots of women while he was married. And it is a story of redemption and how he brought, how he was able to fight for that marriage. Um, just you guys, if you haven't heard it, go listen to it and impair it with this episode, finish this episode first, but then go finish because you're going to see two opposite sides of the equation, which I think is really unique. I was talking to my wife. I'm like, I just finished his podcast with Doug and he talked about, you know, his infidelity and like major, like makes guys feel like, Oh, I'm doing really good (laughs) when they're really messing up. And then I've got, uh, I got G coming on and he's coming from another angle. But what I love about you and what we will talk about is that you, you uh, take responsibility for the things that have happened in your life. So I, I kind of just now I've like kind of dumped this <laughs> prequel out. So go ahead and um, let's, let's go down this road. I want to hear about what brings you here today. What brings you to a place where you're working a full-time job, you're doing this consulting, you're fighting for men, you're involved in, you know, the Apogee program. You're doing all of these things. I mean, this is not light work. You're doing heavy work, man. You're doing heavy lifting. What is it that brought you here today? Yes, sir. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I mean, it's it's definitely a calling, right? Uh, but I want to talk about kind of how that calling became a thing, and I discovered it, right? And it was through a lot of pain, a lot of treachery, a lot of going through hell, right, and coming back from it. So my story kind of starts with uh, there was one night in particular, right? It was I was having a late night gaming session of Call of Duty, right? If you guys are familiar <laughs> with the infamous Call of Duty game. A lot of guys just decided they like you even more. Yeah, right. Keep going. <laughs> yeah. Uh, consequences of growing up, you know, playing video games and that kind of thing, right? So, right. Uh, so I'm there. Uh, it is a work day and, you know, I'm going to sleep at 2.30 at night. My wife is already in bed uh, asleep. 
So uh, I get done with the gaming session and I go into the room to give her a kiss, just let her know, hey, I'm about to get back in bed, right? I give her a kiss and next to the nightstand, I, I see her phone and her phone vibrates. The text message coming in and the text message comes in at 2.30 in the morning. I'm like, the heck, like who's, who's texting you at 2.30 in the morning, right? So I do what any curious husband does and I pick up the phone and I unlock it and then I get the shock of my life. Uh, I see an influx of threads, like a text message thread of her and another guy sharing every endearing word that her and I have ever shared, right, with each other. And like, I mean, it breaks me, right? Uh, You can imagine you think everything is okay and everything is cool and you guys are good, right? This is our second year of marriage. It's Coincidentally, it's 2012 when they thought the world was going to end and they made a big movie about it. And like I thought in that moment that my world was definitely about to end. So I wake her up in a panic, right? I like shove her, wake her up. I want to throw the phone at the wall. I want to do all sorts of crazy stuff, right? And I'm yelling at her, which is completely out of character. I'm cussing at her, which is completely out of character for me. Uh, And I just I'm overly emotional. I don't know what to do. She wakes up and she's shocked at the me discovering it. And I'm shocked at the betrayal. And it's just, we're just sitting there, man, looking at each other. And we're trying to figure out, well, what's, what's the next move? Like, what do we, where do we go from here? Right. And where we went from there is, you know, we talked it out. We decided, Hey, like, let's work things out. I'll forgive you and let's move on. And, you know, and she stops talking to the guy and like, that whole thing, we start going into counseling, right? Specifically from our pastor. The counseling works a little bit, but I become worse in terms of, you know, becoming very obsessed about tracking her and and all this stuff, right? So before I go any further though, and before you cast judgment on the situation or the scenario that that I'm kind of painting for you guys uh, of one part of my life, can we all agree that everything happens for a reason, right? And when these things happen, they don't just happen overnight. (laughs) What I want to tell you guys is about what led to that moment, right? Because it did not just happen overnight. And I'm going to go back and rewind from that moment to when my wife and I first met. And, you know, as Scott mentioned, I I used to be in a hip hop group. So I was rapping. I was really trying to make it as a Christian hip hop artist or Christian hip hop rapper. Right. And, uh, that was one of the reasons why when I was living in California, I decided to stay when my parents decided to move out to Arkansas, right? I was 18 and I'm like, hey, I'm going to stay. I'm, I'm going to do this rap thing. Like you guys go ahead. There's nothing for me in Arkansas. I'm good, right? So they left. I stayed um, and I got to meet my wife through that, which is awesome because if I wouldn't have made that decision, right? But I was moving. I was living on my own, trying to make it as an artist at 18 years old. And so what ends up happening is as I'm doing the whole artist thing, my wife, you know, gets to see that and she sees how ambitious and how lively I am and how I want to, you know, pursue all these dreams and all these things. Right. And then we get married and she's thinking she's going to get the 2.0 version of me. Right. Like <laughs> I'm going to be the upgraded model. Like I treated her so well while we were dating. I was this ambitious guy, blah, blah, blah. Shortly after we get married, the group breaks up, you know, so the the dream ends right away. I go, I Got to get a job. Got to do the whole thing, right? I start working for Apple. So all this time, she's thinking we're we're going up, 
And me as a guy, I'm entering the marriage and I think I beat the game. Like, hey, even though I didn't make it as a rap artist, right? I, uh, I still got a trophy wife. Like I got, I got a beautiful woman. She's mine forever because she said yes, right? And we're good to go. Like this is on cruise control. We're good. No matter what happens in my life, she's going to be there and we're good to go. So that's what ends up happening. We go into the marriage with these expectations. She's thinking I'm up here and I'm just becoming the downgraded model, right? And so as we progress through the marriage, I ignore her. I get home from work and I start playing video games. I know she's there. She's cooking dinner. She's working too. She's doing this and that. She's trying to talk to me, but I have headphones on because I'm playing with my boys, right? Uh, and I tell her, yeah, babe, don't, don't worry. We'll, we'll get to that later. And I got to beat this, whatever, right? Whatever match we were in, whatever fantasy land I was living in. It's a lot of that, right? Mm-hmm. Ignoring her, not giving her attention, not giving her the time. And one of the pivotal moments that I always think of and, and I remember is that at the time I was working two jobs to make ends meet and she was working as well. We were in a lot of debt and so forth, right? So I was, in, I was working at an auto parts warehouse and then I was also working at Apple uh, in the e- in the evening. So I would get home like around 10 p.m. at night, sometimes 11, depending on how the, t- the, the, the time we closed up the store. And on this particular night, I had had a rough run in with a customer, like right, like the last customer was, you know, the worst one of the day. So I was going home with that fresh in my mind and I get home, you know, she's excited to see me. She's like, Hey babe, how are you? Like, how was your day? Let me tell you about my day. She has food ready and this and that. Right. And which was completely, I mean, she, she loves me. She, she was waiting for me to get home. She wanted to spend time when she hadn't seen me all day. I go to the recliner, I kick off my shoes and as she's talking to me, I cut her off. Oh, you were that guy. I'm that guy. I cut (laughs) her off. And I say, hey, hey, babe, look, right now, like, I just had a rough day at work. I just, I don't want to talk to anybody. I just want to, I don't want to hear anybody talk to me right now. Can we just have some peace and quiet? And she's over there, man. Like, she's in the kitchen, she's grabbing my plate from when I just got done eating. And she's looking at me like she's with a, her face was heartbroken, man. Like, yeah. she just, she was quiet. She, she didn't know what to say. What do you say to that, right? What do you say to that? guy that just comes in and and does that and it was because of that those types of moments compounding over time that led us to the scenario that I just described to you which is that scene she you know I I talk about this a lot the women really need a lot of emotional intimacy that requires time it requires listening it requires putting away our perceived tired self one thing I talk a lot about is like you I used to think, well, I make a lot of decisions at work and I have to listen to a lot at work. When I come home, I don't want to do that. And that's the wrong mindset. You were stuck in it, man. It sounds yeah, like you were stuck in the same loop. Many, most men are. Very common. So, yeah, I was so ingrained in it, man. I was consumed by it and I didn't know how to, uh, how to kind of compartmentalize, right? And like right. set those things apart. When in truth, I should have been happy to see her. Like she should be the only person I should be happy to listen to and want to talk to and want to engage with. Like that should have been the switch for me to flip to, to become, you know, happy getting home and not having to deal with work anymore. Right. But instead I brought it in, man. And, and that was a huge mistake. And so going back into the counseling, right, we're, we're getting counseling, trying to get over everything that that's happened. I become more obsessive. I'm tracking her phone. I'm worried when she goes to the store for 20 minutes, right. I'm looking at the phone and I'm like, where the heck is she? Like, where, you know, I'm like, oh, she is at the store. Right. I'm, 
I just become that guy, man. And it's one thing, you know, not excusing what she did, of course, and she knows, you know, it, it was a mistake, but it wasn't just on her. What happened was a result of my failure as a leader, as a husband for her. And with that, I wasn't forgiving her really, right? I was saying that I forgave her and it felt good to say that as a Christian man and, you know, going to church and this and that, right? Like, I'm like, oh yeah, like I forgive you. No, like I was still holding on to it. I wasn't letting it go really. And the tracking and the being the obsessive guy that I became, like that was showing her that, right? And because of all that, a lot of initially, even though she had already fallen out of love with me and we were trying to find our place back because of the betrayal and everything, I had fallen out of love with her, right? Like I, and we were, it, it almost seemed like we were trying to fake it, right? And that's how it seemed at least. And there were days where I would come home and, and I would stay in the car for 30 minutes after I parked the car, just with my hands on the wheel like this, just sobbing, sobbing because I knew going into the house, I'm like, I got to put on, I got to put on the smiles. I got to, I got to be the husband, right? I got to do and show her that I'm still invested in the relationship, but I needed to decompress and get that out. And there was a lot of that. And one day I got, I got really low really low because I was just in my head. And this is what it is, guys. The battle is is up here. No matter what happens to you in your marriage, the battle is right here. It's right here. And this was the battle. I, I come in and I'm, I'm pissed. I'm just angry at everything, right? I don't want to talk to her. I don't talk to anybody. I don't want to get any more advice or tell, you know, I just want to end it. So I'm scrounging over, you know, I'm turning over my closet, trying to look for my pistol my nine millimeter Beretta. And thankfully our counselor had told us, Hey, if you guys have a gun in the house, get it out while you guys are working this stuff out because things can get ugly. You never know. Right. Thankfully my wife listened to his counsel (laughs) and he, she got it out of the house somehow where she hit it. I don't know. But the point is I was looking for it that day because I wanted to grab that gun. I wanted to put a fully loaded mag in it and I wanted to put it up against my temple and just end it. I wanted to just end it. I wanted to be done with it. And she knew. She didn't say anything. She just knew that that's what I was looking for. And when I couldn't accomplish the mission, right, the task at hand, I just broke down and I cried right in the middle of our little studio apartment, man. And she came and she she embraced me. She hugged me. She didn't say a word. She just embraced me. She knew. And I was was like a child, man. I was just like a child crying, uh, not knowing which way is up. Right. Like my whole world just got turned upside down and I didn't know what to do. So I remember the very next day I hit up my uh, my father figure who uh, a guy that I grew up mentoring, uh, getting mentorship from a a man that I call pops endearingly because he he just became that man for me. And uh, he takes me out. We go out to lunch somewhere or something like that. And, you know, I'm telling him about the situation and uh, he has a conversation with me that kind of set me on this path right? Changed the course of my life forever, really. And he says, hey, son, look, you're never going to be able to control what another person does, period. Especially not your wife, even not your wife. You're not, you're not going to be able to control what she does. Not be able to control anybody else. The only person, the only thing that you can control is yourself. And the more you get yourself dialed in, and you become better at controlling yourself, 
which means mastering your emotions, the whole mindset thing, right? Everything, everything that comes with that, your faith, all that. What's going to happen is that the people around you are going to respond to the changes that you make, the actions that you take, the words that you say, and your wife is going to respond to that as well. He said, I'm not saying that this is going to answer all the problems. It's going to fix everything. But I'm telling you that if you fix yourself and you can, and you learn how to master yourself, then your wife has a choice, right? She can either respond to that, brings you guys back together and you guys have a strong marriage and this is a thing of the past, or she doesn't and she decides to leave you and go with the other guy and whatever, right? But at the very least, you become a better man. Mm-hmm. And if another woman comes along, right? And you, God decides to bless you with another marriage at some point in the future, then you're a better man. Like you're going to be way more capable to handle this. You'll know what a marriage is, is requiring of you, right? So when he said all that, man, I, I just, I soaked it all up and it just, it switched. Like it flipped a switch in my head. And I was like, yeah, that, that's what I needed to hear. And sure enough, man, that set me on the path of like jumping into self-development. I became obsessed with like just bettering myself, bettering my mindset. So I was reading a lot of books, exposing myself to a lot of different coaches and consultants and, you know, um, people in the space watching uh, all sorts of different guys. And uh, not only that, but entrepreneurship was another thing, right? Like, and it's funny how those two kind of always go hand in hand, right? Like, it's like, you can't be an entrepreneur without having a whole lot of self-development in your in, in your tool set, right? In your toolkit. So sure enough, man, the, the way every change that I made, right, resulted in a response that she gave. And I had to prove myself because I was BSing for a lot of long time, guys. You know, I was that guy, even with the, it's always the little things, right? Like, can you please take out the trash? Sure. I'll do it, babe. Doesn't get done. And then you, you see her doing it, right? Because she told you, Two days ago to take out the trash and it's still there, festering, right? And it's like, it's the little things that pile up. And so I needed to show her a track record of, hey, I'm going to do this. I'm going to change and become this man. And then actually do it, <laughs> right? Like actually do it. Not just be, you know, uh, just pretty much spitting out the same lies that I was giving her this whole time. So as soon as she saw the track record, man, and she saw the evidence, the confidence building, the competence building, right? The skill acquisition that I got from all of that and the changes, the the trajectory we were going as a family. She was like, oh, yeah, this is the guy. This is the man that I married. This is the man that I was hoping for and expecting, right? And when she saw that, man, she reciprocated. And not only did I fall back in love with her, but I I was able to get her to fall back in love with me, man. And we were able to understand what actually being in love actually means. You know, and this is something my pops shared with me. He, he asked us a question. I remember uh, specifically he said, hey, you know, what's the what does it mean to be in love with someone? Right. And, you know, we were I gave him some kind of emotional answer like, oh, well, it's just, you know, it's a feeling or this and that. I'm like, nah, I didn't know what I was talking about. He goes, no, there's a difference when you say something, when you say that you love the army, it's very different than saying that you're in the army, right? When you're in something, in love, in something, you are committed. There's a commitment, 
right? Which means the decision has been made that you are going to cut off everything else and you are going to commit to this. So when you say that you're in love with someone, it is an actual decision that you are making. And during that whole time, it was a decision every single day to not call it quits and say, hey, I know that this happened. It was an extremely difficult trial to go through. It was like going through hell, at least for me. But I want to come back from this. And when we come back from this, God willing, we are going to be so much stronger, right? I, I have yeah. a follow-up question. Yes, sir. I have a question. Yeah. So you talk about doing all this self-development work and really working on yourself. I call it the 100% principle. Like when you are facing trouble and you need to have a better connection with your wife, you need to be better at work, you, you need situations to improve, yeah. uh, your coworkers aren't doing what they're supposed to do. It's the only person you can control is yourself and you need to put a hundred percent of everything on yourself. Yeah. Like it's all you and you literally just embraced that principle that I talk about all the time. You got amazing mentorship like that was gold, absolute yeah. gold. I want to have a reality here for the listener because when we, I talk to a lot of coaches, coaches for men and they're like, this is a very recurring theme is they start to work with a guy who's been struggling and he's doing the things you're doing. It's just like the slight misdirection in what, how he spends his time and how he responds to his spouse and how he treats his wife and the level of intimacy he's showing to her outside of sex. Like those things are all like, they're the slow, slow fade. Yeah. Right. And what they'll say is like, oh, these guys come in and like two weeks later, their wives are all over them because they're making all these changes. And then they realize, well, that was their wives are then like, oh, this is a fluke. Mm-hmm. And everything reverts back to, you know, she's stiff arming like, no, no, no. Yeah. I'm sure you kind of experienced some of that, but talk me through the time frame you're talking about this self-development and working on yourself to where you started to embrace this. We are in love and, and that started to be reciprocated and, and like, what kind of timeline are we talking about here? Yeah, no, it took it. I want to say it took a couple, maybe three years, man, like to really get back to, to, it takes time. And and that's what I meant, you know, to say about the commitment, right? Like, are you committed? Or if you're committed, okay, cool, let's go. Right. Like we got it. We got to, you're going to have to do it every single day. And it was actions, right? It was, it was me taking actions and, and proving. And it's not to say that I didn't fail. Right. But the way I failed was different than before where I would just excuse the failure. It was like, I made a mistake. Cool. And I would talk to her like, Hey, you know what? I noticed that I did. It was a level of self-awareness that is beyond belief, right? Where you you can be so self-aware to go back to a moment, the tiniest moment where maybe she seemed upset, right? At something you said, or maybe you were snappy in a response or something like that. Can you be self-aware enough to go back to that moment and say, ah, you know what? I think I might've, I think I might've messed up there. And then bring it up to her and be like, hey, you know what? I was, I remember, I was remembering today, I talked to you about this. You asked me this question and I kind of snapped at you. Did, did it seem kind of snappy at you? Cause that wasn't my intention, you know, and you, you talk it through and she, she recognized, wow, you, you remember that? Cause she remembers that stuff. Man. She remembers that, right. Oh, She'll yeah. remember that, you know, but if she sees that you remember that dude, that's a game changer right there. And right. if you do that more often, like if, if that becomes your track record, that just, it, it incrementally inc- improves the credibility that you have in her mind as a leader. Right. Because I always talk about talk about this with my guys is like you want to be a leader worthy of being followed. 
Like nobody wants a boss. Like this whole idea of being a family leader, right? Uh, a lot of machismo men, like especially in Hispanic culture, man, it's a big thing, right? Like I'm just, I'm the man of the house. Like you got to do what I say. And like, I'm the boss and this and that. Like, that's not what leadership is, bro. Like you, leadership is you got to go first. Like you have to demonstrate the example, right? If you walk into a room, Matt Baudreau talks a lot about this. I learned this from him. He says, you walk into your, like you said, dinner, right? A traditional dinner that you guys have. When you walk into a room with your family, your wife, your kids, whatever it is, you set the tone for that room. If you walk in with a smile, you're happy and you're joyful to be in their presence and you're present, that is dynamically different than when you walk in pissed and just right. like snappy and like, I don't want to be bothered. Or you walk in like this, right? Right. Like right. walking in. And and that's common. And that happens to me even now. Really, I got I got to be self-aware enough to when that happens to kind of check myself there as well. Leaders, men and being leaders is has been has been perverted. Yes, it's sir. been perverted by culture. It's been perverted by uh, feminists. It's been perverted by, you know, all sorts of all sorts of things. Yeah. It's very it's very interesting because in order to lead your wife, she has to trust you. And in order for her to trust you, you have to show consistency. And for order to have consistency, you have to have personal growth. And in for order for you to have personal growth, you have to have ownership of what who you are and what you want to become. And in order to have ownership of who you are and what you want to become, you have to understand who you really are, not who you think you are. Like, look, at, guys, just did, did you follow that thread? That thread is a lot of work. That is a lot of work. And if you don't unravel that thread from beginning to end, you cannot be a leader. So that now when I walk into the room with my wife and we have something going on and I make a decision and she 100% follows, it's not because I came in with no input from her. It's not because I came in with it. I already have my mindset. It's because I've been talking with her and we've been conversing and having intellectual conversation and talking about our feelings and our approach to this. And then I take all that data and I'm like, here's where I think we should go. And over long periods of time with a track record and care and help and listening, she is like, yes, because I'm not bringing just my opinion to the table. I'm taking all this data in. That's how I lead. Yeah. That's how I, my wife goes, man, that is sexy. She loves that stuff because I'm not coming in with my will. I'm coming in with God's will and I'm coming in armed with her point of view as well. And I think that's what you're saying. Yeah. Another thing I was thinking of is the word covenant. So mm -hmm. a covenant is an agreement. And so I won't get all biblical here. But there is a difference between a contract in a marriage and a covenant in a marriage. And I think you switch from contractual. Yeah. I am here because I agreed to be here. Like that's my fulfillment. I, I'm, you know, I'm not leaving you. And you're, you're elsewhere in your head. You're spending your time elsewhere. Same with her, right? Yeah. You guys switch to this covenant. You made an agreement. Now you're in this like, it's not because it's on paper. It's because we agree we are moving forward. And there's so much more to it than that. But when I see a couple shift to a covenant marriage yeah. is when you see like a family long lasting legacy being pushed forward. Cause now your kids mm. are going to your newborn, your, your young, your one year old are being raised in a home where you guys are focused in on serving each other. You guys are focused in on the same journey. You're focused in on the same goals and that's what they're going to see. Yeah. 
I mean, yeah, man. is it worth the work? Bro, it's every bit of it, man. <laughs> I'd do it again in, in, in an instant, it, even with the pain, even with all the, the, the drama, the, the shame, whatever, right? Like it, it is absolutely worth it, man. Um, and I see the fruits of it now with our kids. I see the fruits of our marriage. I mean, we have an incredible marriage, man. Like, and it's not a brag thing. It's just because we worked on it so, so much, you know, and we continue to like, it's, it's, it's an everyday thing. One thing uh, I'll mention with, uh, uh, you know, going back to the perception of, of how you respond, right. When you, when you're leading, uh, I'll give you an example of how, what, what my responses were like before versus how they are now. Right. Cause this might kind of hit home with some of the guys here listening. When my wife, my wife is a dreamer. She loves like, Hey, I want to go on vacation here. I want to go to this country. I want to go to this. I want, you know, she, she has dreams. Like she's, she wants to go to all these different places. And I love that about her. Like that's, that's a great trait to have. My dreams are a little different. <laughs> you know, my, my ambitions is like, I want to make it in business. I want to do entrepreneurial ventures and things like that. Right. But I'm, I'm kind of a homebody. Like I can be home and I can work and I can knuckle down for hours where she's like, I need to go. I need to go do something. I you know, like need to be out. So a lot of the times when she would come to me and say, hey, things like when we have a house, I want to decorate the Christmas, you know, I want, I want to like decorate it out in Christmas, uh, you know, lights and do all this stuff and get a tree and blah, blah, blah. She dreams, right? Right. And I would come in with like, well, I don't, I don't think we're ever going to be able to afford a house, babe. Like, you know, I, I don't think, I mean, that's cool and all, but yeah, I don't think we're going to, we need money for that. Like I would come in with that, right? She would say, Dream I want to go to Maui or I want to go to on a trip here, right? Uh, I don't think we could ever do that, babe, like that. That's going to take a lot of money and that's going to do this and that, right? My response then, I had no aspirations, no dreams, no nothing, no no wherewithal to give her any positivity and in, reinforce those dreams for her. And now, very different. When she comes to me and she says like, hey, you know, I want to do this, this and that. Uh, I'm like, yeah, cool. Uh, yeah, let me figure out how I can do it. Make it happen, babe different, different response. And she sees that. And then guess what? I figure it out and we make it happen. We got ourselves, we moved to Texas. We got ourselves into a house and we got to put up Christmas lights, got to do the Christmas tree, got to throw a big Christmas celebration for the family. got them come over. Like you do it, you make it happen. You figure it out. We can't stay stuck in that victim mentality, guys. Like where, where you're just like, woe is me. Like, okay. You've had a rough thing. Whatever situation your life has thrown at you, we all have it rough in one way or another. You know, my story, you could find another guy that has a harder story, a harder life, or a guy that has a less harder life, whatever. It doesn't, we all have our stories, right? But we can't stay there. Like, we can't stay in the whole woe is me thing, right? Like, we got to move on, man. We got to, we got to keep going. That's where the work is. And when you put in that work, that's when you get the results. You know, we look at these guys, entrepreneurial guys in the space, especially you and I, Scott, like we're in the space and, you know, you see guys like Alex Ramosi and all these guys like, you know, like Tim Ballard and all and their success and all that. And we think that they're an overnight success. They're not an overnight success. It took them years, man. Took them years, a lot of pain, a lot of work. And most of us now, because we're so stuck on instant gratification and we want it quick, we're not willing to do the work, even in our own marriage. If your marriage is not looking the way you want it to look right now, if your family life is not looking the way that you want it to do to look right now, you have input in that. You have the ability 
honestly, I believe the strongest ability to be able to change that situation. Like you can create the, the family life experience you want by the input that you, that you give it, how you show up as a leader, how you show up as a man, as so a father, we, as a husband. Yeah. yeah we're entrepreneurs. So we think yeah. on, in the lines of, you know, putting in a lot of work to get to the place we're getting, but even to bring it to someone who's not an entrepreneur, yeah. when you maybe got out of college or went into your field, you came in with the mindset that you're at an entry level. Mm. And you're willing to put in years and years of proof to climb the ladder and to improve where you are financially and where you are in your career. If men would take that same approach with marriage, like (laughs) marriage is the starting line, not the finish line. Yeah. And that's, we weren't taught that, were we? Like we, we like, uh, it's like, Oh, I got her. I nailed, I, I bagged the big one. I'm, yeah. I'm married up. I mean, I did in every sense of the way I'm like, this is great. Now all I have to do is work. Well, if guys would actually take that work ethic and that time approach, that long-term step by step by step by step by step approach, they will find massive success in their, in their marriage. But in, you know, what's crazy is when you find massive success in your marriage, you are you you typically raise incredible kids who turn into incredible adults. Look at the history of all the people around you that have uh, incredible adults that they produced. I, I did a project when I first started the Brotherhood. I, I interviewed I don't know hundred guys who were you know sixty, seventy, eighty who had very successful adult kids. So, you know, their kids were adults now. So yeah. they were successful financially and in business and they were successful in their marriage and they're successful in raising their kids. So I looked at like basically three generations and I interviewed these men and I'm like, what is the, what is the thing? What's the through line, right? Like what, what, what yeah. is it? Yeah. And it was good marriage. It was a focus on God first. I didn't seek out guys who were Christians, I sought out people and I just kind of continued to thread this thing like, Hey, who do you know that? And kind of kept going. Of course, then there's a circle, but there was very, the, the, the the consistency in the messages there, God first, and then serve your wife. Like there's like your life depends on it because it does. And then, and the rest will fall into place. (laughs) And, and it's just the equation. But it's not overnight success. No, not at all, man. Not at all. It's, uh, yeah, it's a lot of lot of work, everyday work, you know, and it's a lot of work on yourself um, and becoming just very, you have to go to war with your ego. You got to war, you got to go to war with, with your beliefs, with your mind, with, with everything, man. It's, uh, it's a process, but it's, man, when you come out the other side of that, after you've won a couple battles, man, like it's, it changes the game for you. For sure. Yeah. I like that. Go to war with your ego. Yeah. So true. Very so much true. so, man. That, that was very true for me. I had to beat my ego every single day because, uh, yeah. One thing uh, you were mentioning with the, the covenant and contract mm-hmm. right? discrepancy, I, I actually heard something uh, pretty recently. Uh, a guy named Myron Golden, I don't know if you know who that is, um, but uh, good good guy, good man of God and uh, entrepreneur, businessman, business coach. He talks about the difference between a contract and a covenant, right? And he says that a contract is an agreement between two people that or two parties, right? That is based on mutual distrust, 
Right. Right. Because if somebody messes up, if you and I make a contract and you mess up on the contract, I mess up on the contract, you can sue me, right? Or I can sue you and we we throw away the contract, it's done, right? But a covenant is an agreement between two uh, parties that is based on mutual love and trust. That's awesome. Right. And when I saw it, when I heard that, when you were talking about that, it made me think of that. And I'm like, man, like it's so true, right? Because you go into covenant, people would go into covenants back in the days. And I think covenant, if I'm not mistaken, I think the word means like to cut or something like you cut everything else off. Right. And when they would do the covenants back in the days, like in the biblical times, they would, you know, you would have, like you would have, you would bring an animal. Right. And you would be like, you would pretty much uh, kill the animal, right. With a knife. And then, um, you would like brutalize the animal, leave it, leave the carcass there. Both of you would do that. You would then turn back to back, turn around, uh, cut your right hand or so, and then, you know, symbolize that you guys formed a covenant and you, they would say something along the lines, like if I, you know, if like I'm giving my life to you, essentially, like I'm going to back you up for life, you know, and sometimes they would even take the other person's name. Like you would become, you know, uh, like Scott, Ramage and then Vidal, right? Like uh, at, at that. And I mm-hmm. would do the same thing, Vidal, Ramage. And like, we would take that as brothers and we would join our families together, like that kind of thing. And if we failed to keep our agreement with one another, it, it was like, well, may what happened to that animal happen to me, right? Because it was that serious. Like that's how serious that commitment was, right? And I think when you were talking about it, it, it just kind of brought me back to that. How I just had heard, heard that from Myron. It's crazy. Yeah, and that's so good. And it made me think of the like a contract is like when I have a contract with my clients, mm-hmm. I am giving them something and they're giving me something. So yeah. there's a trade happening. Yeah. In a marriage, you are giving. That's it. That's it. That yeah. is that is it. If you go into that with giving only and not receiving, your spouse, if they're sane and you're doing it right, <laughs> will do the same thing. Yeah. They'll give. And then when you are giving and it's, it's, it's the, uh, you know, our marriage is 50, 50, like, no, well, that's counting score. Yeah. That's taking score. Yeah. Someone's going to lose. Someone's yeah. going to have 55 and someone's going to have 45 and some people are going to have one and others going to have 99. Yeah. And, or you might both have zero. That's just the way it is, right? There, there's no 100% between the two of you. It's you are in 100% or you're not. Yeah. And a covenant. I like that cutting because the covenant Literally, when you, when, as a man, when you take a covenant in your marriage, you actually start to think about pornography as a break in that covenant. You start to think about, and like, that's a big deal. You, you start to cut off. This is what a man of a covenant marriage does mm-hmm. is he starts to cut off everything that's going to lead him astray. And he never forgets that he's in a fight for that. Yeah. So what does that mean? It means with porn. You're going to cut off every little trigger or tiny thread that you could pull on to get you to the place where you're back engaged in porn. And it's going to be a constant battle. And you're never going to say, I beat it. Because as soon as you say you beat it, you let the devil take a hold of you. Mm. As soon as you say you beat it, you let your ego take a hold of you and you're going to get beat. And so that's the differentiation. So if you can't relate to that, I would challenge you to start relating to it. I would challenge you to start re-looking at the way that you consider your relationship. And if you follow just a few of the steps that G's laid out today, you're going to see a whole new level of marriage. I'm telling you guys, it's bliss. Yeah. It actually, it actually is out there. Yeah. It's amazing. It's possible. 
Um, and like you were saying earlier, like the, you get the marriage locked in, man, and it sets the foundation for so many things, right? Um, like I remember, I forgot who it was, but um, I saw one of these guys that he was talking about how, you know, if, if you're going into a business meeting, right, and you're about to make a big business deal, who do you want to make the business deal with, right? The guy that's going through a divorce and is thinking about the fight that he just had with his wife last night or the guy that has his marriage locked in, he's good. His family's life is good. He can focus. Like you're going to want the guy that is not thinking about the divorce and, and all the things that he's got going on. You're not going to want the, I mean, you're going to want, you're going to want the guy that actually has his marriage locked in, right? Because that guy is going to be focused on the business deal that you're actually doing. Cause he's not thinking about those problems. He's not there in his mind. He's, he's in the moment present in that business dealing. The more men that we can get locked in on the marriage front, on the family front, on the God front, everything, right? If you get that stuff dialed in, guys, at home, and you have a home of peace, and harmony, and love, and it's a good place to be, right? Like People like to take vacations from their life, and no, like, you, you don't, if your life is good, then why would you want to leave it? Right. Then that gives you the that makes way for for you to be able to go into any other arena and play effectively. Never thought of it that way. I really love that. And it's so true. Like you become so much more attractive in what you're doing to the outside world. As an employee, you'll probably move up a lot faster. You'll probably make big um, steps because you're not distracted as an, a business owner. I've, I've learned this. Yeah. I've done business when I wasn't a good husband. I've done business when I am a good husband yeah. and I've been working really hard on it and business is great. Yeah. And I can't just attribute that to me. I attribute that to a lot of work, a lot of what my wife and I have set as a foundation. I attribute it to my belief system and stepping into that. I, there's so many things, yeah. but if my marriage was a mess, I would be so hard to focus or I'd be over-focusing and people would notice that too. Yeah. 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 yeah it just I love that you brought that up. That's so cool. Thanks, man. Yeah. No, it's definitely, and it's definitely true in my life as well, man. Like if, you know, right now that things are good, things are dialed in, like I can focus on stuff like this. I can do things. And my wife, guess what? My wife is supporting me, right? Like right <laughs> yeah. now my kids are downstairs and they could be running amok and making noise, right? But she knows that I had this podcast interview and she said, hey, hon, I'm going to go ahead and take them to the room. We'll get them out the way. You know, you can go do your thing. And like, I mean, I don't deserve that. But there she is, you know, giving me that giving, right? Because I've given mm-hmm. so much and I give every day. She gives right back, man. Yeah. She gives it. It's it's not like you were saying, it's not the 50-50. It's the 100-100. Like we're both in, all in on this. And we're giving it our all every single freaking day, man. So so now do you understand forgiveness a little better, having gone through that with your wife and now being on the other end of all that pain that's created with infidelity? Man, I can't, like, I'll have a bad dream. This has happened probably like five mm-hmm. times in my life where I have a bad dream that my wife is interested in someone else. Mm-hmm. It's buried somewhere in the subconscious. It's not something I worry about in the day. Yeah. But that feeling in the morning when I wake up yeah. is insane. I can't imagine if that actually happened, the turmoil and the pain and the distrust and the process. Yeah. No, wow. yeah. I mean, it, it, all of it, man, all of it happened for sure. And it was, yeah, it's hard. It, it, it's not an easy thing to go through guys. If you guys are even, if you guys are listening to this now and you're going through something similar, 
it's not, I'm not telling you it's easy, you know, but what I am telling you is that it's possible to come out the other side from it. If you're willing to do the work, if you're willing to commit, you know, and for me, you know, my wife and I were pretty young during that time. It was, she was young. She came from an overprotective household, right? Where she couldn't go out, you know, she couldn't, like you couldn't wear a skirt in church like that, you know, that kind of thing. Like yeah. it was a very oh, overprotective yeah. and her dad was a pastor too. So it was when she became uh, an adult and she had more freedom and we were married, we got married at a young age. Like she, um, she wanted to experience things and be an adult and all that. Right. So, and this was a mistake that she made uh, during that time. And I could have easily just said like, all right, cool. Like we're done. You know, that's it. I'm out. I'm walking out. But instead I decided, okay, great. I'm going to forgive. I'm going to give her a chance and we're going to, we're going to figure this out. We're going to come back from this and forgiving is, is a lengthy process, right? Because it's not something you, you can say it, but it takes time. Like you need the time to heal. You need the time to mend the wounds. Um, And once you do that and you're with that person and you do it, like you become stronger guys. It's just, you know, you're going to become stronger. And now you know, it's not even, I can bring it up and I can talk about it the way that I just did without it hurting me. Right. Mm -hmm. Because, um, and I, and I'm very intentional as to how I tell that story because I never want to paint my wife as a bad person because she's not, she is flawed just like any other. I, I could have easily been the one to make that mistake. You know what I mean? Like, it's not, it's not about like, Hey, she did this and I did that. Like, no, that's not, it's not the blame game here. I tell you, yeah, exactly. Like I tell you guys this story because it's, it's, it's my, it's the story of, of us, right? Like it's how it went down. It's the truth of the situation of how it went down and what came as a result of it. Right. Um, and I really take like Jocko Willink, right? Like the extreme ownership of that situation because I could have prevented it. That's, that's the fight right there, guys. When you can go back and realize that the reason the bad thing that you're dealing that you're dealing with in your marriage is your fault, because that's what I had to come to grips with, that we're in this mess because of me, not because of her. It's because of me. And the second I took responsibility of that, then I knew, guess what? Because it's my fault, I can actually do something to change it. I can actually have input, have influence on this situation and make it better. And that gives me power. Because at the moment, I, I felt very powerless, right? But when you flip it and you say it's not her fault, it's mine, maybe it is her fault. I don't know. No. In my situation, it was definitely my fault. In your mm-hmm. situation, I don't know. You know, maybe you did pick the wrong one. It, it can happen. It can happen, you know. But if you pick the right one, and at the time that you guys got married, you knew, like, this is the one, and you guys are dealing with anything similar to what I've just described, you can come back from it, but you got to be willing, man. You got to be willing. Yeah. And worst case scenario, you make all those changes and you become a better man, solid in every area of your life. That's a win for you. And if she decides to bounce and she goes somewhere else and you know does her own thing, that's her decision. She's an adult. That's fine. You're a better man. You become better. And then if you're given the opportunity to marry again, dude, night and day. You're going to know, yeah. you're even going to attract a much better woman to you because Absolutely. you're going to be a much better man. Absolutely. It's just the way it is, man. It's the way it is. 
last week's episode with Doug was all about him, his problems, his problems mm-hmm. with infidelity, his cheating, his two, two lives. Yeah. And the thing that he kept pointing back to is that he had to go do the work. He had to accept yeah. 100% responsibility, he had to go back and do the work. He actually got in a divorce with his wife. They, and he had to, he brought it back from that. And now they're like 12 years into an incredible marriage. Awesome. And so like, if this is when guys are like, it's over. I'm like, is it really though? Eh, have you done the work or are you giving up? Are you, are you actually like chasing? It's kind of like I equate this to porn, right? Are you chasing, actually chasing the woman or are you chasing the quick fix? Mm-hmm. And a lot of guys will just give up. Oh, that's too hard. You know, there'll be another better woman out there for you. You're the same guy, dude. You're going to suck at this the second time around. Exactly. So like, why don't you, like you said, do the work, no matter what you're improving. Yeah. And I, I love that message. I just, I just love it. And I love that you are coming to the table with full transparency and vulnerability because that is the strongest thing a man can do is come to the table and say, Hey, look, guys, listen up. Look at me. I'm screwed up. I screwed up. This is how I redeemed myself. This is how I came back. And I want you to understand everything I did wrong. I want you to understand everything that I'm responsible for because I don't want you to go through it. Yeah. And if you are going through it, I want to pave a path for you. So I really appreciate that. Yes, sir. Yeah, man. Yeah, man. That's what that's what it's about, brother. Uh, we, you know, we go through, like I said in the beginning, like everything happens for a reason, right? Like mm-hmm. we go through these trials and, um, you know, when you're in the dark tunnel, you can't see the line at the end and, and you don't even know why you're going through the tunnel to begin with, right? Like you, you, right. Know, you know how you got there. Um, right. And, but there's always a light at the end. There's always a light at the end. You just have to be, you know, willing to take the action to keep going until you see that glimmer of light and keep going. And that light gets bigger. Right. And then you have the ability to shine some light on the guy behind you. Right. And get him to come aboard. You can extend a reaching. You can extend a hand and reach out and grab the other guy. Come these guys, you guys all have the ability to do that guys. And, that's what this all that's what this whole thing is about. That's what put me into this whole men's movement uh kind of game, right? Is that I I felt compelled, I felt a calling because of that and how we came back from that and how I changed. Now I want to do that for other men. I want other men to experience a good family life experience, man. Like it, you know, because you have the tools. Like you guys are already capable of doing this. You just have to do it. You need maybe just a little push in the right direction. Um, or just somebody to give you, uh, to point out the blind spots, right? Like my pops did to me. And when you have that and you move in that direction, things will change. Absolutely. Yeah. And that's what I love. You know, there's a lot of um, negativity wrapped around coaching and all, yeah. all of these things. It's like, dude, the right people are in this because they don't want you, they want to they wanna shorten the curve, learning curve for you. Yeah. And when I started to embrace coaching, mentoring, and really chasing down people who were paving a path ahead of me is when my growth grew exponentially, oh, yeah. whether paid or just making connections and making friendships, like, you know, happy to pay for it. That's, that's just the message is like, yeah. Yeah, it's the, the ROI on this stuff is insane. So I appreciate that you're stepping into that because it's, it's obviously a calling. Speaking of callings. Uh, you haven't finished rapping though. You're still yeah. rapping. Yeah, man. Uh, 
Dude, so yeah, funny story with that, right? Um, with with being part of Apogee, uh, right now, we, you know, Apogee Strong is a, is a twelve month men's program, so it's a long game, right? That we're playing, uh, and I'm just about to be eight months into this thing, which is awesome. Like it's been life changing for me, uh, personally. And in December, when we do the graduation, right, and like we we do the inauguration of everybody that went through the program, came out the other side. I decided something compelled me again. I was like, hey, man, I haven't rapped in a long time. And I told Matt this. I'm like, but I, I would like to write like a spoken word, right, for mm-hmm. that event um, and perform it. You know, so I told him that and he's like, sure, man, let's do it. You know, so sure enough, like one day, man, I'm, I'm uh, it's funny how these things happen in the shower sometimes, right? You're in the shower and you get these ideas and stuff. So. Yeah, the the thought came in the shower. I came out and I started writing on my phone, the notes app. I start writing a spoken word for Apogee and that kind of paved the way again to kind of open that door again. You know, I started thinking about the parable of the talents, right? How the, the guy that buries the talent, digs it in and doesn't, you know, presents the same thing back, doesn't multiply it. And I started feeling that way with that talent for me because I had kind of, dug a hole and put it in there and didn't look at it for a long time. But it's always been a passion of mine. It's always been something that I've, you know, and I never saw it as being part of Alpha Dad Consulting. I just, I always saw it as two separate things. But then going through Apogee, I realized, man, this thing is like a real big part of my identity. Like it's, it's a big part of my history and, and how I do it. And I see my kids, Scott, right now, my five-year-old, man, like he can hold the tune. Like right the, kid, on. the kids, the kids got a little talent, man. Like he can hum a song. He can hear a song once, hum the tune and start listening. Like he can recite the words and all that. And he's, and I'm showing him some of my older tracks and stuff like that. And he's like, Oh, that's you dad. Like, you know, he, he, so he's got the musical gene and my daughter, same thing. And I'm just like, man, like I can't, I can't keep ignoring this. You know what I mean? So, yeah. yeah so right now I'm in the works to uh, write uh, an album. Like I want to, I want to do a solo project, uh, something I've never been able to do before. And uh, I want to, I'm in the process of getting instrumentals and getting beats and, and being able to write some songs to that and, and be able to release kind of like a 10 track album uh, sometime wow. next year at some point. So I'll keep you posted on that, but uh, I'm excited for that, man. It's a, it's a cool little side project that I want to have um, just as another avenue uh, to be able to express you know, thoughts and creativity, that kind of thing. That's awesome. That's awesome. You have no short shortage of things that you're working on, but sure. you know, it's, it, they're kind of all focused in the right, like similar direction. It's really kind of cool to watch, yeah. man. I really appreciate you sharing your story. I know it takes, it takes a lot of process to get to a place where you're re- willing to share a story like that. And yeah. so I know the work that you've done and I, I, I you, don't sir. want to diminish it. That work is, is massive. And I truly appreciate you being willing to use that to help other men and guys like seriously, like seriously, if you have a similar story and you're needing some navigation through it, or you see the writing on the wall and wonder if that's the case, or even if it's like you've cheated or you just are wandering a little bit, there's people out there willing to help. Like I, you know, uh, and, and that's, that's why we have guys like G on the podcast so that you can meet these guys, hear them and say, yeah, I need, I need someone like that in my life because there's a, so much wisdom from experience and from rising above. So don't his, his 
stuff will be in the show notes. We can find you on Instagram, YouTube. Uh, you're the Alpha Dad Consulting is your podcast and your your yes, uh, YouTube channel. Yep. And so, um, and then the links to, uh, you know, the your programs. Yeah. And all the the things I just mentioned are in the show notes. Yeah. Man, I appreciate you. I I I'm I'm 100 behind you. I'm going to be rooting for you. I'm going to be a support for you when needed. And I'm really, really glad that you did your first guest podcast on the Brotherhood of Fatherhood podcast, man. I'm uh, pumped. I'm honored, brother. Thank you so much, man. Uh, I appreciate you very much, brother. And yeah, it's just it's been a it's been great uh, getting to know you. Uh, and I look forward to to getting to know you more, man, and, and being able oh, yeah. to. We're we're pretty close, uh, just kind of across the pond here with uh, right, you know, with the lake. So yeah, it, it's, it's we're pretty close by. So we should definitely. Um, we will. When you get back from all your all your crazy, you know, vacations and, and I know I got adventures. I'm not running yeah. away from anybody. I'm yeah, running yeah. with my wife. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, let's clear that up. Let's make sure. Yeah. yeah uh, no. Uh, public pub, public invitation to come back. We can jam on all sorts of things. I know we can because it yeah. worked well this time. Guys, go do yourself a favor. Go follow G. Go go tap into what he's going on. Watch. Engage. Uh, give them a give them a shout out and uh, share this podcast because that's the way that we help more men and women. If you're listening, we know you're listening because I get women who message me. <laughs> this is a great way to get an insight into your man's your husband or future husband or who knows. It's a good way to see the inner workings of a man's thought process. And honestly, most of the guests on here will come to the table with something that they've screwed up, and this is the pattern of man. And so he, we're we're unlocking the key for you. <laughs> yeah, giving you guys behind we're, the scenes look. Here. We're giving you the playbook. <laughs> yeah. uh, and so um, we encourage other people to listen to this. Thank you so much, and we'll see you on the next episode. Thank you for listening to the Brotherhood of Fatherhood podcast. If you enjoyed the podcast, be sure to share it with your friends, your family, and follow us on social media. If you are a father, make sure you join our Facebook group, The Brotherhood of Fatherhood. Hit the subscribe button and tune in next time for more podcasts from The Brotherhood of Fatherhood.